Hi, it's Dan, and I just want to thank everybody so far who's listened to the show. We have listeners from all over the United States and actually from all over the world. It's picking up speed. We're really, really grateful for those of you who are listening. If you're listening to this message, please subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. You can leave a review. You can suggest possible titles that you'd like us to cover. You can also follow us on Twitter, right? Our handle is at 15minutefilm. That's at 15minfilm. And you could also support the show by making a small monthly donation through Anchor. And the way that works is that um, when we get enough money, we'll start buying new equipment. We'll do everything we can to give you the best experience. If you're willing to donate, we will call you and we will leave a recorded message on your voicemail or wherever you like in any of the silly characters we've done on the show, including Bane, Sean Connery, any others, any others that come up today. Dan Marlon Brando. I, I, I will leave you a voicemail that will be the greatest voicemail you've ever heard. Most voicemail I've got from you. Thanks for listening. Hi, I'm Mike. And I'm Dan. Welcome to 15-Minute Film Fanatics, the podcast in which two friends and lifelong film fans sit down and discuss what makes movies great. This week, we're going to be discussing Knives Out, directed by Ryan Johnson from this year, 2020, which is a supposedly clue-like locked door mystery thriller. Quick note, if you don't want to know who did it, there are massive spoilers ahead. We're going to be talking about not just the solution or ending to this movie, but probably any other mystery novel or movie that you happen to have at home. Yeah, so if you haven't seen Laura yet or Chinatown or something like that, you've always wanted to. Rebecca. Yeah, go watch them and then come back. We don't want to lose any listeners, but please be advised, we're going to talk about a lot of endings to a lot of movies and books. So in our first segment, we typically talk about the big ideas or the key takeaways from having seen the film. Dan, I know you want to start out here. Sure. I thought the first 45 minutes were, were terrific. And what made them terrific was the fact that you kept being reminded you were in a movie. Um, first of all, that they have the, the name tiles come up next to each person, which in a, in a regular movie would be kind of a, uh, it would remind you that you're watching a film, but in here it just adds to the fun of it because you're invited to play along with Daniel Craig. I think that's exactly right. There's no kind of Brechtian disruption of being reminded that you're in a, a film or a piece of piece of art because it just draws you in right. further. So the more that you're reminded, the more you go, oh, I got to figure out the solution. Right. I'm going to pay more attention. I'm going to pay attention more closely than exactly. I would, right? The other thing I liked in the beginning was that when each of the suspects is being um, interrogated, um, you'll see that one of them give an answer, and then you get to see the cops and Daniel Craig, and then it's another person. And the editing is so smooth there, where you keep getting thrown off about who's speaking and, who, and who's answering the questions. And it occurred to me watching that whole segment is that um, murder mysteries are all about editing. That's what a great mystery is. It's it's it, the story itself, the actual story. You only get at the end when Hercule Poirot or Miss Marple or somebody explains what happened from point A to point B to help out the reader and help out the characters. But the whole fun of an Agatha Christie book, the whole fun of a movie like Knives Out, is that it's re-edited like a jigsaw puzzle, and you get all the pieces, but it's up to you to put them together. And I thought that the way that that first segment, that first half hour or so went, it was a reminder of what we like about mysteries. I couldn't agree more. Now, speaking of the kind of tropes of mystery movies, one of them, of course, as you brought up with Hercule Poirot Rowe, is the gentleman detective. So what, the outsider. What did you think about Daniel Craig opening his mouth and sounding like Foghorn Leghorn? When I saw the trailer, um, I don't know, months ago, I thought it looked like a TV movie or something. And I was like, what? And within within five minutes, uh, I totally bought it. I thought Daniel Craig was great. I 
didn't know that he could pull that off. Yeah, and he was terrific. Yeah, he sounds exactly like Foghorn Lehorn, but it all works. <laughs> and he's got the Colonel yeah. Sanders suit, right. uh, you know, walking around. But you're exactly right. Five five or ten minutes, you just think he's funny and charming and you're in. Yeah, and it's and that's that's hard for him to do, I imagine, since he is James Bond. That's correct. I also thought it was great that that Ryan Johnson took every single trope. He said the word trope before of um of a murder mystery. So you have the you have the country estate, you have the dogs in the first scene. So that makes you think of Sherlock Holmes right there. The detective's an outsider. The cops mean well, but they can't figure it out. Everybody's got something to hide. There's even a, a secret panel. Right. How much did you love the secret panel? I love all the secret panels in this film, <laughs> including the window panel. I love during the interrogation, in order to tell the cops that he's done, he didn't. You, you're not supposed to hear his voice, right? So it spoils the whole thing if you hear his uh, southern right. drawl to start with. So he just keeps hitting the, piano, the piano keys. Right. Well, I think he played the he hit the piano key to say, that they were supposed to say, where were you the night of the party or something yeah. like that? Because when he said that, that was, I thought, his cue. But of course it, it, it is, but it's just not to spoil the voice. Right, not you to know, spoil the voice. It, it, he has to give them directions, but you as the audience are not supposed to hear the voice for a certain right. length of time. And so the, I thought yeah. the piano was great. I thought that was terrific. and Because all you want as an audience member, and Ryan Johnson knows it, is you want to hear Daniel Craig talk. Like right. you want to hear him talk, and it's great that the cops don't even know who he is or why he was hired, and even Daniel Craig doesn't know why he, doesn't he, know why he was hired. So that was really great. Um, I know you loved a little parenthetical thing. I know you loved it when he said Gravity's Rainbow was a book that everybody pretends to have read. Yes, I absolutely do. I have read Gravity's Rainbow, and I enjoy Gravity's Rainbow. Do you? Yes, I do. That's but let's let, let's move on. Let's move on. Let's move on. <laughs> Back to the ending thing. It reminded me that somewhere Hitchcock says that pure cinema is when is that that's what editing is. It's when you take two images that might not have anything to do with each other and you put them next to each other. And that's what I kept thinking about about as I watched this is that the editing in this movie was so well done that it was so so flawless and so and when the like you know when he's reconstructing what happened at the end. Um, that it reminded me that not only was Hitchcock right, that the world doesn't need me to agree with Alfred Hitchcock, but also to remind me like that's the essence of, of great plot twists is that it's not really a, a twist as much as it is, here's a piece of the edit that we're not going to show you until now. And then when we do show you, you're going to be surprised. Yeah, and it makes you realize how much you've taken the completeness of an image for granted right. later. And, right. and, you know, of course, the, I think part of the point of all mystery novels is to say that there's stuff going on all around us that we don't realize. Right. And we, it, it, quotidian life, it, you know, yes. ignores a lot of mystery. But uh, I think that this film does so with a with a sense of fun. That's yes. what I really took away from the movie. Is it, there's there's certain mystery thrillers that when you get to the ending of Seven, right. Uh, right. you know, that's that's one kind of detective. <laughs> John Doe has the upper hand, uh, but that's uh, there's a big difference between that. And the experience of this film, which is it's charmed by itself. <laughs> yeah, uh, it is charmed in, by itself. And it's uh, anachronism. Absolutely. Okay, I'll see you in segment two. All right. Hi, welcome back. In segment two, we'd like to talk about a key line or a key moment from the film. So, Mike, what was yours? So, mine was we were just talking about how the film is charmed by itself and its anachronism. My, if I have a favorite character in this film, it's the house. And so, my favorite moments of the film were, were watching our main character, uh, Marta, crawl up the fake window and push the panel aside. Mm -hmm. And then the specific moment is as she's climbing back down to make her getaway and you're, you're finding out what actually happened in the original murder when she's face to face uh, with the grandma who's yeah. looking out the window. Because there are some unexpected moments. In other words, the panel is supposed to be the, the thing that you don't expect that there's actually a secret entrance behind besides the big Correct. staircase. Um, but I wasn't ready uh, for the, for the reveal 
I don't know who plays that old woman. Uh, I'll look it up. But she was pitch perfect. I hope she never appears outside one of my windows. It was like the ghost of Peter Quint in Turn of the Screw. Absolutely. Um, my moment was when um, Daniel Craig says uh, – we talked about the donut. Remember his speech about the donut? Yes. And he says – I won't do his voice, but he says, you know, there's got to be – you know, there's a hole in the center of a donut. And, but he says, when we look at this donut, the donut hole has a hole in its center. It's not a donut hole at all. In um, itself is another donut. Yeah, with a smaller hole. And our donut is not a hole at all. So here, here's what I think about that. I think that – let's talk about the plot. Um I think that it was serviceable. I think it was fine, but the ending did not blow me away. And if anything, I was a little meh because I, when you, whenever I watch a movie like this, I think you know getting there is all the fun. And at a certain point, when you're in the middle of like the second act, you start to think to yourself, or at least I do, like, okay, this better be good. Like the answer of this better be worth this. There better be a great payoff. And it made sense and it held together, but it didn't blow my mind. Um, and it would obey the rules, right? It's got to be one of the characters there. And it turns out that, I mean, obviously he killed himself, so which we know early on. But the fact that Chris Evans, um, Ransom, is, is the guy behind the whole thing and he's the bad guy, right? So I thought the ending was good, but it wasn't mind-blowing. And I thought to myself, well, why isn't it mind-blowing? And I thought, well, it's not like um, like Chinatown. You know, she's my sister and my daughter. Or Laura, that Laura's, you know, here we go with the spoilers. Or that Laura is really not dead. Or Death Trap, everything's in the book. Or in the Maltese Falcon, it was Bridget, and the and the Maltese Falcon's a fake. Um, even Homicide, we talked about Homicide when he sees mm. the grow fast thing. I thought the end of the Sixth Sense, um, Murder on the Orient Express, it wasn't one of them; it was all of them. So I think that the great mystery solutions are the ones that kind of like bend the whole genre. The Murder of Roger Ackroyd mm. by Agatha Christie, right? The whole idea you're supposed to trust the narrator; and he's the killer. Um, so I, I thought it was fine, but I was a little let down, and I thought to myself, "All right, yeah." And when when Daniel Craig was reconstructing the whole thing at the end. Um, at that point, I was taking his word for it. When he's like, okay, okay. And then they switched around the medicine and she, she knew that it really wasn't. The, and I'm like, uh, uh, okay. Well, I'll tell you. So there's one part of what you said for me, which is the only letdown, which is I think that there's all certain rules and laws that we either intuit or know from having watched mysteries. Like one of them is if you're uh, the spouse uh, uh, of somebody who's on trial for murder can't be called. Yeah. You know, we all know that from witness for, for the, the prosecution. prosecution. But in this one, as soon as they go, oh, yeah, but if someone is the real killer, they can't inherit the money. And I was like, oh, OK, I see. You know, <laughs> right. so it's 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 a reliance on one of those rules. But if you have to tell me what the rule is, right. you can't rely on it because as a viewer, that's the only moment where I was like, OK, there we go. And the person I saw would said to me when I when we were driving back and I said, yeah, I was a little OK. And, and the person said to me, well, it, it had to be one of them. It had to be one of them behind the whole thing. And I said, well. Yeah, yes and no. Like, you know, there's plenty of Agatha Christie books where the the solution is, you know, it's one of the people, you know, mm -hmm. on the island or something mm -hmm. like that. You're like, okay, it's fine. But I think, like, I was trying to think about what makes a mind-blowing plot twist. And that's why I mentioned all those things before. And I think the answer is that they're very, very simple. Like, who that girl is in Chinatown. Like, who she is. It's really, really simple, right? And um, in Laura, she gets shot in the face, you know, the beating. So you don't – so it's really simple. Or, um, you know, the end of The Sixth Sense. Right. Like it's one one fact. Bruce Willis is a ghost, right? That that changes the whole thing. And it's it that didn't happen here. I think that the solution was so complicated that it kind of made me shrug. So I'll say one thing though, which is I believe from what I've read that they're setting up for a sequel, also starring Benoit yeah. Blanc. 
and I would watch another. Sure. And I mean, he'll be movie. he'll be a traveling detective, and he'll be like, "That's funny. How great it was it when um when um, Marta's mother's watching Murder She Wrote." Right. Yeah, but but I think the end of this did feel like an answer to Murder She Wrote. Like Angela Lansbury uh, TV shows are not going to bend the genre, and and but I just think I I thought that the the solution itself. I think getting there was a lot of fun, but the solution was more cluttered than the great plot twist. And I think that that makes this movie more of a throwback than a straight mystery. Okay, fair enough. We're going to pause here because we just want to tell you something. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. So let me explain. The first point is it's free. Yeah. Second, they have all the tools that you need to create, record, and edit your podcast right on your phone or your laptop. Third, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so you can hear it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many other places. You pick up sponsorships, you can make money from your podcast, and there's no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Always be closing, Mike. Always be closing. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome back. So in our third segment, we like to talk about the title or the big takeaways from the movie or the last scene. Dan, did you want to kick it off? Yeah, sure. I mean, like I said before, I mean, I I don't want to sound like a grouch. I mean, I thought the movie did its job. It was fine. Um, For me, though, the big surprise was not that Chris Evans turns out to be the bad guy. For me, the big surprise was that we got a little mini sermon about immigration at the end. And regardless of what you think about immigration and stuff like that, but I think that um, at the end when she's up on the on the terrace and she has the coffee cup, this is my house, um, it, that took me out of the movie in a way that the earlier scene did when they kind of interrogated her, although that didn't really – that was, I think, made, made sense for the characters. But what I did was I sat there in the movies thinking to myself – Oh, now we're like now we're back on Twitter. Like now we're on cable news, and that that took me out of the movie much more than like the the characters' names popping up on the screen and things like that. Because I was having such a fun time not um, worrying about um, all the all the issues that that plague us all day long. Yeah, I was gonna say it, it doesn't actually matter what your political alignment here is. It's that I guess I guess for me I was lost in the fun of the movie. I was enjoying watching windows emerge from you know from from secret caverns. And the movie goes to extreme lengths to show you what buffoons some of the characters are. So, them, yeah. so, so there's the, the part where they're sitting down having a political argument and it doesn't matter which couch you're sitting on. It's, you know, it's that um, Don Johnson as the father yes. Richard is calling Marta over to, <laughs> yeah. you know, to get, to get her opinion. And you cringe and, when and he does He's that, yeah. so clearly buffoonishly yes. evil that there's no way that you can be on, on, right. on his side one way or the other. And I guess I, I agree with you that that that, that drew me yeah. out of the movie. One thing I'll say though is there's moments earlier where everybody's talking about Marta, and someone says she's from Ecuador, someone says she's from Honduras, no someone knows, says yeah. she's from Guatemala, and I thought that that was perfect. Yeah, that was spot on hilarious ignorance versus buffoonish ignorance, where really the movie is telling you what to feel as opposed to. I hope people pick up on this and think that that's funny. Right, and Marta was like, she's she's your way into that family. She's and you're happy that she's going to get the money, right? Because right. you root for her. Um, now she can hire the lawyers. And I think when you don't know who the bad guy is, the fact that we find out her mother's, you know, undocumented, that okay, that could be a motive because everyone's going to have a motive for what happens, right? For her to get the money. So that made all perfect sense. But it was when you have Captain America lunging at her at the end and says like, "You, how dare you invade our? What does he say? Our our, our ancestral home? How dare you invade?" I was like, "Okay, I get it. I, like, I get, I get the political message, and that's fine." But what occurred to me was. Um, Flannery O'Connor, the great American writer, she has a line somewhere where she says, um, propaganda for the angels is still propaganda. 
And I like the, one thing that I like about the film is speaking of kind of subtle or unsubtle of buffoonish manipulation, you know that you're supposed to enjoy or how you're supposed to feel when she, Marta and Christopher Plummer's character, the father are playing go. Yeah. But that scene works so well. Yeah. You know, as a viewer, you're, you're set up to feel their connection now. And the movie's like, here we go. We're going to lay it on pretty thick, but it's laid on so thick that it absolutely yeah. works. But when, when he, when, when Chris Evans went after her, I thought to myself, oh, okay, okay. Um, you know, and I, I, that might be a thing because Ryan Johnson clearly has talent. He clearly, you know, to, to create this whole world of knives out, it's a beautiful, like you said, anachronism. It's a beautiful throwback. The guy has read all the Agatha Christie's. He's done all his homework. So I, like, I didn't need that. And, um, it, and maybe that's just a weakness of him. I remember in uh, seeing The Last Jedi, I thought that, which he wrote, and I don't know if people are going to get mad at me for saying this, but um, it had like the single worst line in all of the Star Wars movies. Was, there's a part where Rose says, um, we're, uh, we're not going to win this war by fighting what we hate, but by saving what we love. And I, I thought my eyes were going to roll back so far in my head, I, I was going to have to go to the emergency room. It's CNN in space. Yeah. Or any of them. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, like the whole point was I was so I was there in my recliner. It was like a Wednesday night, and uh, you're watching Knives Out, and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, here we go. We're going to see the, the, like the, the news crawl on cable TV. But it's – the movie, to your point, is so lovingly made. Yeah. You, you can't make that movie unless you're watching Clue. Right. And, and you think, oh right. my God, I, I want to make one of those. Yeah, I don't want to make too much of this, but it was kind of like, that was the big surprise. And it was funny because you'll see on the internet, people are like, you know that Ryan Johnson snuck in a statement in there. Snuck like, in. Snuck in? It's hardly stuck in. So, you know, I was already on Marta's side. Like, I was already like, like um, as a character, when she gets the whole house, I'm like, that's perfect. Because it's what it's what uh, the old man wanted. That's <laughs> what she, she should have. And she, that's what, she she's was the, the heart one, and soul yeah, of the house. She yeah. was the one good person. She played go with him all those times. And she and she did her job. And she was clearly upset in the beginning. Right? Remember the whole thing? Like, yeah. all the other family members are suspicious. But she's the one that's really upset. Her mother makes her sister turn off the um, the murder mystery she's watching on her computer. Yes. So I think that, like, they like Ryan Johnson, he had me already on Marta's side. You know, and uh, so I, I wanted to say, don't like you didn't have to go go that far, but but that's just you know that's just one little surprise I had. Well, and then Benoit Blanc tells her that she actually gave him the right medicine, yeah, because she can tell right. the subtle differences, right. but then because you are a good nurse, yeah, because you, you know, are a good I mean, nurse, yeah. just because she's a good person, yeah, 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 absolutely. Okay, so I'll see you next time. <laughs>